it says a door was opened to him for ministry, but his heart was so much with Corinth. False teachers had come in, and, and the, the church was being undermined, and he just had to get to Macedonia so he could find Titus. So when he got to Macedonia, he found Titus, and he, he said, what's the news from Corinth? And Titus gave him good news that the Corinthians had repented of moving away from this great gospel. And in 2 Corinthians, in the early chapters, uh, have always been some of my favorite verses. In chapter 2, 14, thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ. Through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I was listening to a sermon this week. Uh, Stephen sent it to me from John Piper. And he said, 2 Corinthians 3.18, in the midst of this sermon, is probably the most beautiful verse in all of Scripture. It's Johnny Erickson's life verse, and John MacArthur said it's one of his life verses. But we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image with ever-increasing glory by the Spirit of the Lord. And then one of my other favorites in this early chapter is 4 verse 6. It is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, this God of creation who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So I'm coming into a, a part of scripture that has been very instrumental. I fell in love with it. And then to read again that this is Paul's, one of his most passionate, pouring out of his heart uh, epistles. Intensely deep and personal. Written about AD 55 to 56, and that's not long after the resurrection and ascension, the death of Christ, right, just 25 years after Paul, probably from Philippi, on a third missionary journey, wrote to the Corinthians. So let's turn to that in your Pew Bibles, page 818-818. And we'll turn to chapter 3, verse 17. We're going to read to chapter 4, verse 6. And it is mildly flattering that someone drove from Seattle to hear me preach as well, Christus. <laughs> so we do have the American flavor today as well. We <laughs> okay, let's stand together. We'll take our Bibles. We'll read the Word of God. Chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful passage of Scripture. If it was the only page or two that we had, Lord, it would be 
enough to consume us, to break into our hearts, Lord, and, and transform our minds. But, Lord, we have such an amazing scripture, all breathed by you and given to us, Lord. So for this portion, Lord, moved by your spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's understanding. So descend upon us, Lord, with your might and power today, healing each one and strengthening each heart. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I know we have a few pastors here this morning. Uh, Pastor James has mentioned we have some associate pastors, but how many ministers do we have this morning? Any ministers here? Any believers? Do we have any Christians here this morning? Well, there's a neat word in, in chapter 3. Uh, Paul says that God has made us sufficient to be ministers of the gospel. And ministers is the word diaconus in the Greek. And, and it basically means servant, minister. We use it for deacon in some passages of scripture. So we are all, in a sense, ministers. And we're all ministers of the gospel. And it's a great thing to be in. And in verse 4, verse 1, as we read this morning, therefore, since we have this ministry, diakonia, okay, it's a ministry that we have. How many of you are involved in ministry? Many of us, right? And uh, so we're ministers involved in ministry at Maple Lab. In chapter 3, just to give some uh, lead into, actually just one verse we're looking at today, chapter 4, verse 2, essentially. But uh, the lead-in is that we are ministers by the mercy of God. And the, Paul goes through this beautiful expression, if you want to read it when you get home, in chapter 3, about the first covenant where Moses received from God, but it was the law. And this glory came upon Moses' face, but Moses put a veil on his face so the glory would not be seen. And it was a glory that was passing away. And that was called a ministry of condemnation. If the law could bring righteousness, then salvation would be the law. So that's a ministry of condemnation, but he says, but the ministry that we have is a ministry of righteousness. It's a ministry of the Spirit. It's a ministry according to God's mercy. And, th- and that is not veiled at all, but it's an ever-increasing glory as we grow in our faith. And the glory of the Lord is shone in our hearts, the light of Jesus Christ, in this great gospel that we have. So we're the minist- ministers of the glorious gospel in Jesus Christ. And that's what this ministry that we have. And it's a glorious ministry. So that was in chapter 3 and leading in. So our church is full of vibrant ministries, team ministries. It's not a one-person ministry, is it? James can't come here from Texas and become the church. We are all together ministers. And that's why I want to emphasize this morning, it is a we. It's a collective expression of the love of God. And a ministry cannot happen without God's spirit bringing us together in an amazing way to serve him. So the title of my sermon really is Ministry in Community. Therefore, since we have this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. It actually is a ministry of mercy. And I liked it in the NIV. It said, uh, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. It's a ministry about mercy, but we've been made ministers of God by the mercy of God. So we're, we're serving him as his mercy comes upon us and calls us to serve him. And it's a ministry of mercy. So if you have your sermon notes there, there's a little page in your uh, bulletin there that you you can take some notes. So ministry and community, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 2, the first thing Paul says is, since we have this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. 
So number one, we renounce together the hidden things of shame. It's fitting, isn't it, for a ministry of righteousness that we actually have our whole hearts open to the Lord. Earlier in Corinthians, Paul tells the, the Corinthian church, open your hearts to us. It says we have opened our hearts, and we know that God has opened up his heart as well to us and poured out all of his love to us in the Son, and he wants us to come with open hearts to him. One that, a ministry that displays the glory of the Lord, so the glory is going to be within us. When we think of hidden things of shame, it's something definitely that God wants us to renounce and wants to open up our hearts to. Honesty and transparency. We really are leaving no place for the devil to come in and, and have his way with us because we have renounced the hidden things, things deep within our hearts, things that well, Paul calls things of shame. And uh, we were doing some harvesting of hay, and I was having a lot of trouble with the forage harvester. Our hay was a little bit too moist and wasn't coming through the harvester too well, and I kept breaking shear pins. The machine was breaking down, and by all intents and purposes, I was too, you know. Slightly, uh, farming can be emotional, right? We're out in the field doing the work, and so every time it broke down, I had to fix shear pins, loosen up some, take some chains off, and, and put two new shear pins in, and then a few minutes later, it would break again. And my hands were black, and of course your face gets itchy, so, okay. and everything starts to look black. So when the guys came to the field, I said, guys, I don't have a load ready, but look, things aren't looking good. But a little bit later in the day, we kind of figured things out. The hay got a little bit better moisture. My machine started working better, so I, was, I had clean hands. So when the guys were coming in the field, I would just show them my hands, and they'd know, oh, things have been working good. If I put up my hands and they were black, uh-oh. Things aren't going well. And that's what I thought about when we renounce the hidden things of shame. And we need to come before each other willing to say, here's my hands right now. And they might be pretty dirty on the odd given day. But you know what? We care so much about the ministry and the glory of the Lord that we are willing to. James, myself, Josh, as pastors, and, and our youth ministry teams, wherever we're at, we need to come together with I call open hands. So it's not something we do once we renounce the hidden things of shame. We... We're following the Lord completely because we know we keep falling into sin, don't we? But we need to be accountable for that. What's the ministry if we can't say, Lord, here's my hands, or James, and to one another? We trust one another, don't we? Transparency and honesty. Otherwise, we just give Satan a place in our hearts, and we can't expect God's glory to, as Amy says, radiate in this place. I also like to make mention, too, that we've talked a lot in the Word of God about pastors and elders and being blameless can you look around and see a blameless pastor or elder in our church we're blameless by what reason by the mercy of god amy read it this morning psalm 19 who can understand his errors paul writes or david writes in psalm 19 cleanse me from secret faults keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins then he says let them not have dominion over me then i shall be blameless so even acknowledging secret faults and, and the pull of the flesh is always with us. And, but if we keep account to one another, Terry, let me see your hands. And if I'm vulnerable enough to show my hands to you guys and one to another, well then let, we will never be far away from the blamelessness that God wants us to have as leaders and in ministry. Confe confession conquers shame. Listening to the old rugged cross, the old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. 
So Christ bore our shame, bore our guilt. Uh, Rusty Goodman, uh, Dusty, I got a CD from your dad. He sings a song that, that I love you was written in blood as two rusty nails pierce two precious hands. When we have renounced the hidden things of shame, we need to remember the cost of our salvation, the cost to make us clean, and we should be more than willing to confess one to another. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confession brings out God's glorious attributes, doesn't it? God's faithfulness, God's justice, and he cleanses us, he, and he makes us whole. And if we can open up our hands to one another in a way that is we're unveiled face looking to the image of the glory of the Lord, we're opening up our heart to God completely, Lord, have my whole heart. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? This is putting away all captivity, the things of the heart. Jesus himself said, he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they be done in God. So coming to the light doing all things before God, allowing him to have our whole heart. So a ministry team with built-in accountability brings great glory to the Lord. Number two, Paul says in 4 verse 2, not walking in craftiness. Craftiness is not a word that we like to think about, is it? It's, it's, it makes us think of the devil. Satan in his craftiness tempted Adam and Eve. And uh, they talk about the, the craftiness of Satan and later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, so we resist, is my point too, we resist the pull of the God of this world. And St. Mike tempts us to, uh, to reach for power in ministry or self-exaltation. But just beyond our passage in verse 7 of chapter 4, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. And then again in 4 verse 5, as we read this morning, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Craftiness is moving away from Christ, moving away from the gospel to the point where the power and the glory comes to man and not to us. He says in chapter 2 verse 17, for you see we're not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. Again, Paul in the early parts of 2 Corinthians was defending his apostleship, defending the Gospels, and he says the false teachers are like hucksters who preach for personal profit. But we preach the word of God with sincerity, under Christ's authority. And within the church, if we, if we sense that craftiness in chapter 11, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. So we don't walk in craftiness. We resist all temptation for that. Number three, we wrestle. That starts with a W, by the way. But it's an R word for me today. So we renounce, we resist, and we wrestle with what? With the word of God. We don't handle the word of God deceitfully. Uh, James last week talked just openly, 1 Timothy 4, he said, three times in a few short verses, teach the word. Three times live the word until it's learned. We don't handle it deceitfully, but we study it and we teach it and we live it. The word of God is, is so paramount. 
And Paul said, we do not handle it in any way deceitfully. And Tim, a few weeks back, uh, what was the PST strength, Tim? Built upon the word of God. And God moved on James' heart as the word of God moved in our heart of our pastoral search team. And they didn't handle it deceitfully, but they, Lord, search, we want to find truth. We want to find your leading in the word of God. And, uh, and Tim mentioned study to show thyself approved. Work hard. Preach the word in season, out of season. Fulfill your ministry. That diaconia that we're all called to. How are we going to fulfill our ministry? We're going to be wrestling together with the word of God. And not just from the pulpit out, but we each of us need to be wrestling with the word. Uh, three different men in the Bible were told to eat the word of God. John... Jeremiah, Ezekiel at one point were told to take it in and just that word of God. And in Mark Buchanan's book, he mentioned one chapter there that King Menelik II, an Ethiopian king, actually took that literally and when he got sick, he would eat pages of the Bible. And it said he died in 1913 having ingested the whole book of 2 Kings. Now, I didn't verify that fact, but that was... <laughs> Something that he said. But the point being to take in the word of God. It's our healing. It's our life. It's our strength. Who wrestled in the Bible? I'm sure Jacob and Esau had a few wrestles. Now I'm, thinking, I'm looking at my voice down there. But uh, Jacob, a man met him and wrestled. And what did Jacob say to him? I will not let you go until you bless me. We need to wrestle with the word of God. In this passage, even this morning, wherever, get in the word of God. And won't, don't let it go until it blesses you. But wrestle with it. And, and uh, in the Proverbs, Solomon writes, If you want w- wisdom, seek for her as for silver, and search for her as for hidden treasures, and then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So wrestling with the word of God. James says we, re- re- we need to receive with meekness the engrafted word, or the implanted word. And I was just thinking this morning, when does the word get really engrafted in us? It's through times of trial, isn't it? When times get really tough, all of a sudden some verses come to mind and all of a sudden it comes right down into our soul. And, and that's where the word of God, it's, it's not, something, it's not something, something for personal profit or deceit, but actually to heal us and strengthen us. And if we can hope and lay hold of that word in times of difficulty, it becomes engrafted in us. Far, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We might have read that a thousand times and not thought much about it until Barb had the breast cancer and all of a sudden that word and then the everlasting arms of God. I'm sure many of our families, and as we go through difficult times, times of loss, loss of loved ones, the word of God becomes engrafted, so precious. We just can't let go of Psalm 23, that the Lord's my shepherd and when times of stress or turbulence. Buy the truth and do not sell it. We wrestle with the word of God, each one of us. Are we all ministers? Yes, we are. We all need to wrestle with the word of God. Number four, we reflect. But by manifestation of the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So by manifestation of the truth, what we're saying in in verse 2 here, I think Paul's saying manifestation of Jesus Christ in all his glory. In our ministry, we we manifest the glory of God. 
and the truth that is Jesus Christ, that he might live in us. It's God who's shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of his glory in what the face of Jesus Christ. And as we love one another, we'll say we're all together in ministry at Maple Ave, loving one another in the Spirit. Remember, it's a ministry of the Spirit. It's a ministry of righteousness. Open heart to one another, and we need to love each other fervently. And that manifests Jesus Christ in such a powerful way. And I know in many of our ministries, we've experienced that. For me, in seniors' ministry, I find it very profound. And sometimes, we, with 30 to 40 people, all doing different things, but we meet, we pray, we're in the Word of God. And as we serve, I've had people come in our gym and just walk in the door and say, Terry, there's something here. I just can't describe it. I can't explain it. I've had other seniors tell me, they said, I just couldn't wait to come today. Just what they're dealing with in their hearts and their lives. They can't wait to walk in the doors of the gym. And it's nothing about the facility, is it? But it's the love of God, the manifestation of the truth, so powerful that that is what, that's what ministry is all about, isn't it? Paul said, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants. Diaconus is ministers, it's also servants. So in, we're the diaconus of God, servants of the Most High, reflecting his glory. And we reflect it in such a powerful way that it, it hits people in their heart and in their soul very, very profoundly. It's a ministry of love. He who loves is born of God. So we all with unveiled face, it was beautiful in, in the NIV, verse 18 of chapter 3, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I think that's pretty exciting. By manifestation of the truth. It's not something we just know. It's something that radiates from us. So in our ministries, let's remember as we come together to manifest the truth, renouncing the hidden ways of shame is very vital. It would not be to manifest the glory of Jesus Christ. Renouncing the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. It's a glorious privilege to let them see Jesus right here at Maple Ave. The next point is we reach, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In verse 14, uh, Paul writes, Now thanks be to God, a verse I quoted earlier, who always leads us in his triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. In every place. He said, even to those who are perishing, we're, we're an aroma of death unto death. But to those who are being saved, a sweet perfume, the aroma of life, leading to life. So we're the fragrance of God in every place, commending ourselves to every man's conscience. Uh, a sermon I listened to from Stuart McAllister was, Can Man Live Without God? And he challenges us to, to recognize that we are commending ourselves to every man's conscience. And... And especially, I think of youth ministry, Mike, and some of the questions the kids ask are in our workplace. Uh, they're hearing things like what Dawkins would say, religion is a psychological crutch. Or atheists claiming that religion is an intellectual error, both stupid and evil. But he implores us to 
look at a culture that's in a mess and focused on extremism. And he says we need to engage people. Work to know the questions they're asking and, and come to terms with the, with the answers they need to hear. And uh, people are messy and muddled, he said. And there are often deep barriers to faith. It's hard to kind of get connected. You have to work through a lot of layers of issues. And he calls it dialogical apologetics. Don't write that down, but it's kind of neat to think about. Just dialoguing with people, giving an apologetic for our faith, bringing them to the truth. As we manifest the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Knowing that we're the aroma of Christ, hopefully to salvation, to those who are be- being saved. There was a fellow drove in our lane that uh, Barb and I were out, and he saw us out and about. And, uh, of course, Barb was resting, and I was working, right? He's, she's got to take it easy. If she works for five minutes, she says, Terry, that's it, I'm tired. And I said, get some sleep, get some rest. <laughs> but anyways, a fellow drove in our lane, and it said, J Aluminum on the side of his truck. And I've known we've had this piece of aluminum off on our siding of the, of the house for about three or four years. And what he told me was, he says, you know, I've drove by your house every day and I see that piece of aluminum off. Do you mind if I fix it? <laughs> and I, <laughs> I think he might have paid me to fix it. But I mean, I fell for it. I actually gave him a decent amount of money. And I had some other little issues, but I mean, he drives by my place, Barbara and I's place, every day. A lot of cars go down our road. And what was he seeing? He was seeing that issue on the side of our house. So much to the point that he wanted to come in and fix it. So it made me just realize people are watching. People are seeing things. And, and they're noticing it in our lives. And we have a powerful testimony just living with the word of God living in us, looking to Christ and seeing the glory and let that radiate ever increasing amounts of his glory. And they are being moved and touched. And even uh, but as we, they see us in a, in a ministry of mercy where we confess our sins, we don't, not, don't walk around and they say, look how great I am. We're not preaching ourselves but Christ Jesus. And if he's noticing that in our house, it's just a, it was a reminder to me that people are noticing our lives, who we are, what we say, what we do, and collectively how we love one another. And it is very, very powerful. I spoke to the youth, uh, our devotion recently, at, we had a barbecue at the farm, and I told the kids, don't move too far away from the gospel. Get it right that God has sent his son, crucified and risen, died for our sins. And for as many as receive him, we can be his children. Sure, there's all questions about different things that would pull us away from that core truth. In uh, Paul's ministry is being challenged in Corinth. People were trying to take uh, the power away from his message And he said, you know what, you're our letters showing how our ministry has been approved here in Corinth. Written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. And then he said, that letter is known and read by all men. Everybody's seeing that in you, you, Corinthians. Known and read by all men. Written by the Spirit of God. It says, remember, where the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Freedom to be humble and meek before him and read his word and love each other. And it's a letter that people are reading. And Paul says, you're our letter written on our hearts, not with ink, but by the Spirit of the Lord, known and read by all men. God has given us a ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5. It says, we're his ambassadors. 
It's another name for the diaconus, servants, ministers, deacons, ambassadors for Christ. And it's all of us, collective ministry here at Maple Lab. And lastly, we radiate. It says at the end of that verse, in the sight of God. When you think of in the sight of God, we think of what? God being all-knowing, all-seeing. There's nothing, the future, the past, the beginning, the end is all in the heart and the knowledge of God. Psalm 139, David just says with great insight, Lord, you know my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways, even a word on my tongue, Lord, you know it. You've hedged me behind and before. You've laid your hand on me. We're in the sight of God. And the psalm goes on, a great comforting song about how precious his thoughts are to us. And all our days are fashioned by God. Psalm 139. Search me and know me, Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me as well. So we know we're in the sight of God and God loves us. We're, we're never apart from him. Jesus is a good shepherd, right? He always has us in his sight. But... I was thinking of this when uh, Seth keeps asking me. Seth actually had a playoff beard just a little while ago. Lacrosse playoffs. Like he, he made Kobe Rasmus look good, actually. <laughs> but anyways, he's clean shaven today, so that's awesome. But Seth would always say to me, Dad, are you coming to my game? We all have neat relationships with our children, right? And for Seth, is our last son playing lacrosse. Dad, are you coming to my game tonight? And I always say yes, because I know he wants me there, and I want to be there. And every time during the game, whether it's coming off between the first, second period or whatever, just a quick look up, Seth will see me, and I'll see him. But he knows I'm there, and I know he's there. And in the sight of God, Seth's in my sight completely, but you know what? I'm in his sight. And Seth knows his dad's there, knows his dad loves him. And how much more are we in the sight of God? But we all, with unveiled faces, are looking at the glory of the Lord. We're in the sight of God. When we do ministry, we're never apart from God in any way. Never apart from the sight of him and his knowing us and pouring his glory. John Piper used the analogy of this radiant beam of glory. We radiate. And from John 1.14, right, we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. He said all the grace just keeps coming on this great beam of glory into our lives and into our church. But we need to be in the sight of God. Don't ever forget that. Look to the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That we radiate. Psalm 34 says that those who looked to him were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. Hey dad, coming to my game tonight? Yes I am, Seth. And When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed in chapter 3. He's the head of the church. We do everything in his sight, everything for his glory. So I think our our instruction from this passage today is verse 1. Therefore, by God's mercy as we've received this ministry, let's persevere. Let's never give up. We don't lose heart. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the blessing of being in your word this morning. And Lord, we have an accountability before you and t- before each other to, to honor you with all that we do and say. And Lord, where there's sin and shame, we know that, that that's not what does us in. It's an unwillingness, Lord, to open our hearts and hands and say, Lord, here I am. 
or to each other, say, here's my hands. So Lord, we're, we're compelled this morning to, to put shame behind us. And not walking in any way with craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. Lord, what an honor to manifest your son, Jesus Christ. He's the head of this church. He's in the fullness of him is here as we love one another. And that we might commend ourselves to every man's conscience, Lord. Let not there be a person that we come into our day that we meet with, that Lord, that doesn't know that we're a Christian. And that they might see your glory radiating from us. And Lord, we thank you that we're in your sight. And we thank you that with unveiled face, not a ministry of condemnation, but come and find mercy and grace and help in all your endeavors by looking to me. Come boldly to the throne of grace. We thank you, Lord, for the glorious gospel that we are ministers of a glorious gospel in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, give us your strength and perseverance in the days ahead. To your glory we pray. Amen. Okay, Terry, you need to give back yes, the okay. music. That might help. <laughs> Why don't you stand and Just join with us? Okay. <laughs>